This is Etienne Sandercedo, INTA CEO. Welcome to IP Friday. Hello and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Welcome to episode 106 of the IP Fridays podcast. I'm your co-host, Ken Suzanne. If this is your first time listening to the IP Fridays podcast, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, thank you for following our podcast over the years. Ralph and I look forward to bringing you informative interviews and useful information for the remainder of 2019 and into 2020. Our guest today is Etienne Sanz de Aceto, the CEO of the International Trademark Association. But first, let's turn our attention to an important forthcoming rule change on submitting certain types of specimens of use to the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Beginning December 21, 2019, new requirements regarding the submission of certain specimens of use to the USPTO will be implemented. The USPTO will now require the URL and access date or print date of all web page specimens for its goods and services be printed on the filed specimen. The second important change is that label and tag specimens must be attached to their goods or packaging to be accepted as specimens for the goods. With respect to this rule change, you can no longer simply submit a photograph of the label and tag for the particular good listed in the trademark application. Further information on this rule change can be found at www.uspto.gov. We'll include a link in the show notes for this podcast episode. Now, on to the interview with Etienne Sanz de Aceto. Our guest today on the IP Fridays podcast is Etienne Sanz de Aceto, CEO of the International Trademark Association. Etienne is the Chief Executive Officer of the International Trademark Association, a global association of brand owners and professionals dedicated to supporting trademarks and related intellectual property to foster consumer trust, economic growth, and innovation. ATN joined INTA as CEO on July 1, 2013. As CEO, he works with the Board of Directors and Officers to recommend, formulate, and implement policies and programs for the association, is responsible for the administrative operation of the association's offices and supervision of all staff, and is responsible for the development and administration of the annual budget. Prior to joining INTA, Mr. Sanz de Aceto was head of communications and member of the President's Cabinet at the Office for Harmonization in the Internal Market, also known as OHIM, the European Union's intellectual property agency, where he was responsible for strategic communications and the office's corporate image and identity. Before joining OHIM, Mr. Sanz de Aceto practiced as an attorney in Spain and taught law at the University of Alicante in Spain. Welcome, ATN, to the IP Fridays podcast. Thank you, Ken. Very pleased to be with you today. Excellent, ATN. Uh, given that one of the greatest threats to brand owners is the proliferation of counterfeiting, do you see any progress being made on that front? 
Well, um, as, as um, you know, I think as everybody knows, counterfeiting is a major issue for brand owners. We, in back in 2017, we produced a study together with the ICC Bathcap on what would be the projected value of counterfeited and pirate goods uh, in 2022. And the number is really, you know, impressive. It's going to it's projected to reach between 1.9 to 2.8 trillion US dollars, which wow. means a loss of 5.4 million jobs every year. And that's huge, of course, and that's affecting all kind of industry sectors. Uh, we talk, of course, about, you know, tobacco, we talk about packaging material, we talk about toys, uh, we talk about labels, tags, stickers, um, tech products. So, Absolutely everything is being, you know, confronted to counterfeiting, and that's a very serious risk for public health and public safety. Yes. Um, in in terms of um, the progress that have been made, well, progress are um, unfortunately slow, but there is some progress that is happening at some, you know, national levels. And there is also the issue of um, the web, which with 1.5 billion websites, give counterfeitings a unique opportunity to reach, you know, consumers. And those people are interested in buying, you know, counterfeited goods. Now, there is perhaps, you know, one element of optimism, and it's the fact that uh, the new generation seems to have, you know, kind of different values. I'm talking about the millennials and particularly the Gen Zers. And these people, uh, we recently did a study about them, uh, seem to have a strong respect for the value of people, ideas, and creations. And that's probably an opportunity to start explaining to the younger generation the risk of counterfeiting, the risk of piracy, how that is affecting public safety, how that is affecting health, how that is not respecting, you know, the creation of others and others' ideas, and hopefully little by little we'll be able to bring that down together with the efforts of member states in order to protect their own consumers. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the web, I noticed on your website you had uh, a story about counterfeit food products. Uh, is that something you're seeing a rise of um, in the uh, Internet economy? Well, I think it's something that has always been there. Uh, now, the difference is that, you know, through the web, there is a unique opportunity to buy from absolutely everywhere. And yes, the world has become even more global. Mm -hmm. And that means that counterfeiters have a better opportunity to anonymously reach billions of consumers online. And this is where the risk stands. Yes. Well, let's also talk about something that's uh, growing in trend, and that is uh, artificial intelligence. Um, how do you see artificial intelligence and other technology impacting IP offices and the practice of IP globally? And how should government agencies and attorneys prepare for the future? Well, we have a lot of, you know, new technologies that are developing. We talk about virtual reality. We talk about artificial intelligence. We talk about blockchain, of course. Yes. And, and these technologies represent a unique opportunity and at the same time a kind of challenge for, I would say, the entire IP industry, not only IP offices, but also uh, in-house teams within corporations and, of course, law firms. Mm -hmm. Let me give you some concrete examples. Um, when we talk about blockchain, I mean, this is a technology that is kind of unknown for many people. 
Um, and a lot of, you know, people think that, you know, blockchain is a cryptocurrency. So there is this kind of negative connotation about blockchain. Well, the reality is that blockchain is a very secure way to store the different operations and the life of a certain product or a certain title. So that means that, for example, when we're talking about licensing rights, that could be registered through blockchain. When we talk about um, perhaps, you know, copyrights, about, you know, a set of IP rights, these could be somehow protected through blockchain. Uh, and that means that perhaps, you know, the role of a registry might change. That's a first point. Second point, when we talk about trademarks and we talk about artificial intelligence, the more we have machines that are able to establish the similarity between goods and services on the one side and signs on the other side and trademarks on the other side, well, those machines are going to be able to do part of the job examiners are doing today. And if that's the case for examiners within an IP office, that might be the case as well with some professionals within law firms and in-house teams. That doesn't mean that we will not need, of course, human beings. We'll definitely need them. That's but good. at the same time, you know, the role is going to somehow be evolving. Oh, wow. And in likelihood of confusion, let's talk about trademark cases. Let's talk about likelihood of confusion. Mm -hmm. When we talk about simple cases, I mean, those simple cases could be handled by machines. And if that's the case, that would really help, you know, bringing down dramatically, you know, backlogs that are huge in some cases for some IP offices. If we go even to the judiciary, why shouldn't we be able to think about simple cases that are handled by, you know, artificial intelligence? So there is really a revolution that is currently, you know, happening within our industry. Um, our perspective is that, you know, INTA's role is to try to understand what's coming and trying to make that available to all our members so that, you know, members can think about that and can take, you know, their own decisions about what they need to do. And that's, by the way, uh, we have, INTA has its own podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, which is called uh, Into the Brand Anew. And as part of that, we're talking about these issues. And we're trying to precisely, you know, interview people who are not IP professionals, but people who are in the tech, in the innovation world, and can somehow illustrate us about what's coming. Excellent. We'll have a link to the Brand Anew podcast uh, on our uh, show notes, um, which will be prepared and posted along with this podcast. So yeah, that's very kind of you. Yes, let's look at another issue. What can and should IP uh, in-house practitioners be doing within their organizations uh, to raise the profile of IP and its worth to a brand? Okay, so, and that's a great question. And, and somehow, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased to, to, to get that question because this is very much in line with uh, INTA's own strategic plan. We decided a few years ago to, you know, somehow shift from purely trademarks to brands. We're still the International Trademark Association by name, but as you mentioned in the introduction, we do everything that is IP related, perhaps with the exception of patents, and still uh, at the annual meeting, we do have some, you know, great patent sessions for patent professionals. What is happening today? When, when you talk to any corporation, they're not really talking about trademarks. They talk about brands. 
And when they talk about brands, they're talking, of course, about, you know, registering those rights, enforcing those rights. But more importantly, they're talking about, you know, brand value, brand evaluation, brand equity, which is, you know, the perception from consumers. So if that's the way companies are talking and are speaking, and that's the language they're using, we need to make sure that the professionals, our members who are sitting on corporations or even on firms, speak the same language. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, it is extremely important that our members get educated about, the, let's say, the boundaries of trademarks, the boundaries of uh, brands, and look more into the uh, financial aspects, the marketing aspects, the consumer behavior aspects, because by doing so, they're going to be even more credible. They're already great professionals, but they need to be able to interact more with their peers within companies. Mm-hmm. Looking at, you know, I know Inta is global, so and there's so many laws to keep on top of and updated and top of mind. Are there some countries in particular that you can point to where you are optimistic that new or pending trademark laws will significantly advance IP protection? Well, um, let me surprise you on that. Yes. Um, you know, of the countries that are probably that have been perceived for many, many years as uh, being a big threat to IP are moving in the right direction. And I would say they're probably moving faster than one would expect. And those two countries are China and India. I'm going to start by India. Uh, India uh, developed uh, in 2016 their national IPR policy that is based on seven strategic directions. Uh, it was about uh, enhancing the efficiency and improving the performance of the IP office. It was about educating the younger generation. It was about finding counterfeiting. It was about really, you know, promoting more IP as a way to promote uh, research and development, innovation and development. And we've seen progress in India, significant progress. In fact, you know, uh, almost a week ago, we took the entire INTA board of directors to Delhi uh, to meet there and to have, you know, several meetings with officials. And we've really seen an improvement. We've also seen an improvement in the case law and in the level of education and expertise of judges there. So I think that's something that is certainly, you know, a positive improvement. Then when we talk about China, I mean, China had recently, you know, its fourth amendment of its trademark law, and they've been looking more into bad faith registrations. Uh, they've been looking more into counterfeiting. And let's not forget that, you know, China is a country that, you know, has been, is still today, a significant uh, origin of counterfeited goods. No doubt about that. But at the same time, the more and more domestic brands, domestic industries that are developing, I'm thinking about Lenovo, I'm thinking about Huawei, I'm thinking about these kind of companies, that are being counterfeited outside China. And that means that, you know, the Chinese government is aware of that, is concerned by that, and is developing its own IP policy. Are there other countries that are, you know, doing well, certainly yes, but I think these are two of the major countries that are probably moving in the right direction. Excellent. Uh, that's good to hear, Etienne. Um, now, Etienne, you've been the CEO of Inter for uh, six years. How has Inter changed since you became CEO, and what changes do you want to be remembered for during your administration? All right. Well, um, 
I think it would be more for the members to, you know, uh, to, to answer that, that question. I can certainly uh, share with you what was my vision and what I'm trying to, you know, implement at INTA. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, clearly when I came on board, and that was, of course, in agreement with the board of directors, and I really would like to, to uh, highlight the great support I'm getting from my board. But really, you know, we wanted to expand both uh, substantively and geographically. Substantively, we used to be mostly trademarks and perhaps, you know, a little what we call related rights at the time. Mm -hmm. Since then, I think there's been a significant expansion in what INTA is trying to cover. Uh, So we have been, you know, restructuring our committees. And now we have a full set of committees on, of course, you know, all kind of, you know, trademark related issues, but also on designs, on copyrights. Um, on um, unfair competition, right of publicity, on uh, GIs, on um, non-traditional rights. So we're really trying to cover everything that is IP related. Uh, On top of that, we have uh, put in place a set of committees that are more looking into, you know, the financial aspects of IP. So we have a committee on uh, commercialization of brands, Uh, We have a committee on brand restrictions because we feel that's, you know, a huge challenge for brand owners in the future. And we're also looking more and more into the uh, corporate social responsibility issues. And we've put together a committee that is called Brands for a Better Society. And in addition to that, in terms of expanding our scope of activities, we're not only developing, you know, legal arguments, resolutions, position papers, and of course, education for our members, but we're also trying to produce data. And this is why we put together an impact studies committee that is really looking into, well, what is the impact of counterfeiting? What is the perception of brands by Gen Z? What is the impact of the IP industry in Latin America, in Asia? We did a, a study in Latin America in 2016, one in Asia in 2017. We're just about to publish our new study in Latin America that is covering 10 different countries and is really looking at what is the impact of trademark intensive industries on GDP, on employment, on foreign direct uh, investment, and on social welfare. Why do we do that? Because we think that it's extremely important when we try to meet the policymakers, not only to bring the legal arguments, but also to bring the facts that are supporting those legal arguments. So that's about the substantive expansion. In terms of geographical expansion, uh, we um, were extremely strong, of course, in North America and in Europe, but we probably needed to have a stronger presence in Latin America, in uh, Asia Pacific, and even in Africa. As a result of that, we took a set of measures. We decided to, for example, you know, um, organize our annual meeting every third year outside in U.S. with a rotation between Europe and Asia. We decided to rotate a little more our conferences that take place over the year. We also decided to take the board of directors from time to time outside U.S. or Europe. And we've really made an effort to reach both corporations and members in the different regions of the world. And as a result of that, we see a greater interaction with, uh, with officials, with policymakers, trying to get better laws in the respective countries. Of course, in order to support that, we also increased our presence 
uh, internationally. So we have, as you know, we're headquartered here in New York, but we have rep offices. I would say DC is a kind of rep office. We have a rep office in Brussels, but we also uh, have a rep office in China. Uh, we have a rep office in Latin America, in Santiago de Chile. We have one in Asia Pacific, in Singapore. We have permanent consultants in Geneva and in Delhi. And we're little by little starting to look very seriously into Africa and Middle East. So that's basically what, what we are trying to achieve. And coming back to your initial question, what would I like to be remembered for? Well, probably... Uh, I'd like uh, the members to really um, understand the efforts that we're collectively doing to have a global presence to better serve brand owners and consumers. Excellent. And again, this is something that we do collectively. So uh, we should never forget that INTA is a membership-driven organization, is a committee-driven organization. And so it's really, you know, the work, the effort, the time and commitment of the members through the committees that goes up to the board and finally goes for execution. Etienne, you mentioned the words global presence and Inter will be taking its annual meeting to Singapore on April 25th through April 29th, 2020, offering registrants the opportunity to scope out or expand their presence in that market. Why is now the right time to do business in that region? Well, as you probably remember, we had our first ever annual meeting in Asia back in 2014 in Hong Kong. Uh, after that, 2017, we went to Barcelona as part of the rotation. Now we are coming back to Asia, and we felt that, you know, Singapore was the right uh, place to uh, organize our meeting. Why Asia is so important? Well, first, it's the world's fastest growing region. Uh, currently in Asia, you 150 million consumers and if you look at global research you'll notice that almost you know 45 percent of global research and development expenditure took place in asia if you also look at you know the filing numbers as provided by wipo in 2017 you'll see that the major number of filings globally come from asia now, why Singapore specifically? Well, Singapore is home of 80 out of the top 100 tech firms in Asia. Uh, it's the Asian most innovative country, and it's probably a country number one in terms of uh, IP protection in the region. So both Asia is a booming region, and Singapore is kind of, you know, one of the natural leaders in the region. And this is why we choose to um, uh, celebrate our annual meeting there. Excellent. And what can 2020 annual meeting registrants expect when they attend uh, the next annual meeting? Well, I think they should be expecting uh, many things that they normally get at an annual meeting, and there's going to be more. I mean, first, um, we are expecting um, more than 10,000 registrants, and probably I think we'll be uh, close by 11,000 uh, registrants. So it's going to be a very, you know, um, successful annual meeting. Uh, it's going to be an annual meeting where we're going to be focusing a little more on what's going on in Asia, uh, because I think that's extremely important to our North American, our you know European members to understand better the region. Also, during these days, we're going to have World IP Day on Sunday, April 26. So we do expect to have many heads of IP offices from the region that are going to be around. 
which means that there's going to be an opportunity to meet with the IP officers and understand more of their perspectives. Uh, we also are working with Interpol that has its second main headquarter in Singapore to organize a set of meetings there. We talked initially about counterfeiting and piracy, so we would like to have a strong you know, counterfeiting piracy uh, workshop um, taking place there. And last but not least, knowing the importance of China, we're going to have a full set of sessions that are going to be in Mandarin for our Chinese members so that they can understand as well perspectives from the other part of the world. So we're truly putting in place a global meeting for the benefit of our members. Etienne, I want to thank you very much for your time today on IP Fridays. Ken, thanks to you. It was a pleasure uh, talking to you. And uh, I hope to see you in Singapore. Excellent. Will do. Thank you very much. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com slash love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com iTunes and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only, and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.